And welcome back to the Trinity Youth Podcast. This is the fall break edition of the podcast. Yeah, we came in on fall break just for you guys. Yep, we're in on fall break. We are in on fall break. Um, (laughs) That is a complete lie. We are uh, recording. I almost said filming this. We're filming filming this. this. No, we are recording this uh, before fall break. On a Thursday. On a Thursday. Which is a weird day to be doing the podcast, I feel that's like. We, normally, I leave you, early on Thursdays, but I'm not leaving did, early today. Well, we, 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 we started start. out doing them on Thursdays. Yeah. yeah, we did for a little bit, but then you would get here like a little bit late or early or one of the two. Yeah, yeah, I had to go pick up kids and yeah, so all kinds of stuff. But you don't have to, why aren't you picking up your kids today, Joe? Because my parents are back, so my parents are picking up my kids now. Rock so. and roll. Oh, that cool. is awesome. Also, there's no kid noise that we hear right now, yeah, which is kind of good. Yeah, that is the advantage of a Thursday. You don't have the playground kids. Yeah. Um, which I'm not glad we have playground kids. That's a good noise. The Trinity Youth Podcast is supportive of children. That's not what we're trying to say. It is. We are in favor of kids. Yes. yes we, are. <laughs> um, we didn't even introduce ourselves. We did not. So, start hey, it's Joe here with Jack. What's up? And Ken. Howdy. Yeah, so... Now we're back to normal. All right, back to normal status. So fall break. Fall break. Fall break. Hopefully, fall break. I get, I'll be getting my wisdom teeth out by the time this comes out, or I will have already gotten them out. Or, and I am terrified of surgery. So, pray for me if if you're down for that. It is. I, I waited until my until my thirties to get my wisdom teeth out because I was so terrified of surgery. Really? Um, and it was one of those like, my Catherine's fine. Like you've got to get your wisdom teeth out and. And I did it. Um, well, when you take that pill that they give you at the, the volume, yeah, the volume. I mean, you're chill. Yeah, but I mean, I, I was just so scared. I mean, because and they told me like you don't have to take it if you don't want. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm taking it. it. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm taking, taking it. it. Like, there's absolutely no, no way I'm not. And part of this comes because for a while, this is kind of one of those like gross confessions, but it's all good. Um, there was seven years where I didn't go to the dentist. Did you brush your teeth? I did. Well, okay. then you're fine. Well, we're good. Um, and the reason that I didn't go to the dentist was in college. I was still going back to my dentist that I had growing up. And I was home one summer and he did his cleaning, did the x-rays. And they're like, you have a spot that might develop into a cavity someday. So we're going to do a preemptive filling. And I looked at him I'm like, um, why? And he's like, well, just so it doesn't turn into a cavity. And he's like, and this is his words. He's like, He's like, you're in college, you're a man now, so you don't need any novocaine or anything. And he just took the drill and started drilling into my tooth, which didn't have a cavity. That's awful. Um, that Well, no, that, that happened to me. It doesn't, I mean, when I was like seven. Um, was it your baby teeth that don't have any, like, roots or anything that... No, it was one of my molars in the back. At seven, they were probably still your baby molars. No, they were... All right. Where, I, wasn't, I wasn't seven. Anyway, the idea, like, and just having a drill, like, with nothing, and I mean, I don't have a high tolerance of pain. Yeah, really, I'm not a thrill seeker of any kind. Really, and like, it was such a terrifying, like, just the thought of a dentist, like, freaked me out so much. The worst part's getting the shot to numb it. Um, I, I, well, shots. I think shots are cool. Like, I love watching shots. I love. Do you like getting shots? Yeah, like I didn't get my flu shot last year, and I'm kind of sad because like it's one of my favorite things. I, I love like when you get the flu shot and you like see the. Like see the injection going into you, like going in under your skin. That's Joe so Palmer, weird. everybody. We're yeah. the subject here. Um, We're changing which I the didn't subject d- here. didn't want to just talk about the books. So um, yeah, you're right. So actually, we're anyway, going to so talk about that, Botox. That also goes into why I didn't get my wisdom teeth that because I didn't yeah. like the idea of a dentist. And then finally, well, finally, I went back um, to the dentist, and it was it was funny because Catherine and I went to this. It was a new dentist when we moved to Tequila and. 
I mean, I walked, and I was like, guys, I'm petrified. This is my experience. And they were like, we will make sure that you don't feel a thing. This is a great opportunity for you. Um, and after seven years, I only had like one cavity, which I still thought was pretty. No, that's awesome. Pretty impressive. Um, not that anyone should have cavities. I'm not endorsing. We are anti-cavity, but we are pro-children. Pro-children and anti-cavity. If you're getting a cavity, can. we don't know what to do. But like my favorite thing was like that was the first dance I've been to that had like little, the little TVs and stuff, and mm-hmm. like her and I were just like we were watching TV and making jokes, and Catherine was in like the little hygienal thing next to us, hygienist thing next to it, and like she didn't get a TV or like and like <laughs> the hygienist and I are like laughing and having this great time, and she's over there like what is going on? And we're like, shh, we're trying to watch. We're trying to watch what's going on here. It's kind of funny, you know? And yeah. Um, this is when you had your wisdom teeth taken out. You no, this is like just going back into, the, <laughs> that's just going back to the dentist. And then like, they're like, Hey, we think you should have your wisdom teeth out, but they made it such an okay experience to be yeah. the dentist that like, I was like, all right, let's go ahead and do this. Worst case scenario, I die from the anesthesia. And well, it's funny. Yeah, we're thank talking you, about Joe. Dentists. I'm very excited. For <laughs> I don't know why. Wow. I'm like, I don't know why no. I just said this. Is Cannon's like, I'm petrified. Well, no, look, Cannon. The honestly, the worst part because I'd never had to get an IV that I remembered. I probably got one when I got my tonsils taken out when I was like three. But like the worst part was honestly getting an IV put in because like it, I've but never. That's awesome. But I've never had yeah, one like see, put in. I don't. My experiences with surgery is I've had seven sets of tubes or six and a half or something like that because I had to have one of them removed after last year's Labor Day trip. But um. I oh crap what was I gonna say I um every time like after uh you have like tubes you wake up and like your hearing is a little bit off and like everything's really weird and like your ears are bleeding and so that's my experience with surgery and like because of that like I have a pretty high pain tolerance I think like or I, I feel like I do and I've like been told that I do but I'm just not looking looking for, I've never been on like heavy uh, medication ever before so that'll be a first and then just not yeah, it's really. I gotta not. play a, a show two days later yeah, too. Yeah, like it's really so not, not that bad after the surgery. You were right after your surgery. All check. of my friends that I visited were ridiculous after their no, surgery. No, I'm not saying I was in pain though. Like I'm, I'm not saying. No, like, you were, but you were hysterically funny. No, I was. See, funny. people are either like it's easy, or people are like it's the worst pain of my entire life. So no, I've never heard like, a, a middle ground here. I mean, I was eating like chicken nuggets and Chinese food the next day. I think so I had yeah, nachos I the next day without yeah, my parents yeah, knowing. Yeah, you're talking about that. I, I mean, I'm a big fan of potato soup. Stuff oh like well. That. Well, what are they gonna do now, Jake? <laughs> yeah, for real. Well, um, I was because I, I was gonna wait till I was like an adult, like really not really old, but like out of college adult, because okay. I have five baby teeth that don't have adult teeth behind them, so I'm not supposed to get my wisdom teeth out because it might mess up my mouth. But like, apparently they're gonna cause problems down the road if I don't get them out. It's just a big ordeal. Well, and like I remember, Tuesday. like you know, count backwards from ten. I remember getting to nine. And the next thing I remember is... I'm gone. I'm waking up in the delivery, well, the other, or delivery room. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the story, folks. Jack. No, yeah, no, I'm um, just flying. And I remember, all I remember is the surgeon coming in being like, your surgery was much more complicated. They were worse than we thought. The surgery took much longer. And I'm like, it did, I, it's been like a minute. <laughs> For real, and right? Like, you know, and Catherine's like, I was getting worried because like, it's been like two hours. And I'm like... You drove home afterwards? No, Catherine drove me home. Oh, oh, oh. But like I had... I mean, like, seriously, it was like, I remember nine, and then I remember being like, this was very complicated, but we got everything out. Wait, why was it complicated? I guess there was more impact, because I because I had waited so long to do it, and everything had conformed to... Yeah, two of mine had broken the skin, so it wasn't as bad. No, all four of mine were impacted, and the one, like, instead of coming in, like, to the side, it's, like, came in, like, down, so they had, like, they had, like, break it off and, like, pull out, like, that piece, and then, like, yeah. dig in and pull out the other piece. Stop. Like the cavity was no, pretty. Don't do what I did. Don't go no Don't go look up wisdom teeth surgery on YouTube the night beforehand just to see. We, we should 
like make Cannon watch it right now. On the no, I, I don't think so. That's not fun. Dude, okay. I thought I you would. I, I was like, what happens if you swallow a tooth? But I was like, then I got to thinking after the surgery because I was all worried about that. Like, what if I like choked on a tooth during the surgery? Like, I wouldn't know. And I just choked there. What if I never wake up? What if this is the last? What if this is my last hizzah? See, that was my that was my thinking too. Okay, you no, wake were, up from anesthesia. Like, doc, okay, so I went to. Are you having gas or like? What are you What are you talking like, about? Like, are they gonna like get a mask? Joe, uh, yeah, I'm uh, doing that. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, like, that, that's what like what did. convinced me it was okay. Was I haven't had a bad reaction to it that's or anything before because I've had it. I've been put to sleep for tubes, but like, I don't know. I would. I went to the um, like the specialist or whatever it is. Like, cause it's not just it's like the oral surgeon. And I went right, and they were like, I know that it's. It sounds dumb, but, like, I know it's routine for them. Like, wisdom teeth is probably, like, the easiest thing they do yeah. in their day. But they were, like, going through and so flippantly just reading, like, risks include, like, death, blah, blah, blah. oh, my goodness, please. No, don't look, sugarcoat it, it here, Dr. Doc. Hunt? Yeah, Dr. He, no, he, that's who I went to. He's good, dude. He's good. Shout yeah. out. So, Shout we're, out. We're pro-oral surgery, except me. Um, But, Two no, thirds. it's one of those, like, and when I did my internship, my chaplaincy, like, it was weird hearing doctors just be like that. And there were several times where it was like parents of a teenager, like in an emergency situation, the parents were like, yeah, we're not going to do that. You said one of the side effects is death. And they're like, well, I mean, it could happen, but probably won't, you know? And they're just like, yeah, it's so sign flippant. the sheet of paper. And like, that's my whole life. Parents would say, I mean, you're not, I mean, the likelihood of you dying is like winning the lottery twice in a day and getting struck by lightning. You know, I, mean, I know, but when they read right. those side effects, yeah, but when well, when, it's the, like those when the doctor that's going to do it to me is standing there like, yeah, side effects include death. I'm like, oh well, I was just and, and, would, I, and is death a side effect? Death is the effect. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, a side effect is like bloating, you know, like an, an inconvenient. Thing. Let me tell you, though, those like those are medicine commercials. The side effect thing, but when they list them, it's longer than the actual commercial. One yeah. hair you know? might turn gray. Uh, your toe will hurt a little bit. I think it's so fast and slow. I could speed it. I could go back and edit this and sp- to speed. Do this it one just thing. like it's side effects. Yeah. Side effects of listening to the Eternity Youth podcast. Side effects of listening to the Eternity Memory loss. Jack's side effects blindness. from the medicine after surgery were. Uh, Mine were great, dude. It was awesome. Yeah. I Jack love my friends so much. I'm going to goof up. I'm going to have to make sure. I was afraid I was going to say something dumb. I'm going like to have to make sure my phone. You did. No, worse than I did. That. I didn't, you didn't even see me when I was. After the surgery. I went to go see... I did. You came to my house? Yeah. I, I didn't say anything dumb at my house. Youth. Yeah, you did. What'd I say? Something's... About my boy? Yeah. <laughs> Which one? Both of them. All right, moving forward. I thought I said moving, that when I'm I was trying there. To, I, I, I repeated what I'm I I'm the only yeah. person in this room trying to get past this. So let's... No, I'd like to. Jack just won't let it go. Okay, we're moving forward. Let me, let me introduce this. Hot day outside. So... What... It is a hot day. Both, it's a, it's uh, really hot. And this just proves like my own <sighs> like lack of self-awareness, right? Uh-huh. So the past two days, I've been in my office, and I've walked out to go to lunch, and I'm like, oh, it's hot. Yeah. And it's like I'm surprised by this realization, even though I You're know what the temperature is. You're wearing jeans. It's almost October. I'm not down for this anymore. I'm a sweater. I'm wearing – because the sh- these shoes, I, they don't come in half sizes. I got to wear two pairs of socks with these. My feet are very hot right now. And you and I, you and I are both wearing black boots. To, uh, for our viewers' clarity – um. Cannon Rogers, who's speaking right now, uh, best dressed at Rome High School for last year. Uh, that is wearing not some, true. Wearing a pair of solid uh, Doc Martin 1460s. Just a classic work boot, I would say. Um, Hanes socks, old navy jeans, vintage hard rock, Nashville t-shirt. I just want to let you guys know. Harry Potter glasses. They're not Harry Get out. <laughs> They're Jonathan Lawson glasses because he and I have the exact same frame because I got them after him. I'm not even going to lie. I was like, those are some dope glasses. 
than I. You guys have the same glasses? We do. Okay, he has a different That's color. That's why he's your mentor. But we both have, um, like, I didn't know that his were Warby Parker, and I just knew that I wanted the, like, hard frame, like, or not hard, but, like, thick frame. I don't like wire frames. And then with, like, this kind of shape, like, the round, more rounded. And then I ordered them. And Cannon then, like, is pulled his glasses off and is showing them like to the microphone as if yeah, the microphone I, can pick up right. what the glasses no, look like. No, for real though, if I had to wear glasses, like, I feel like that's such a stylish thing you could like decide love, upon. Yeah, like, I, your these, frames these for glasses, your glasses, there's so many what things you can do with These glasses were kind of expensive, but I'm going to order a, just a bunch of like cheap frames because my prescription is not that that hefty. I don't think it'll be super expensive. You get black frames? You get white frames? I want to get some clear... Blue, or, I don't gray, think I don't think red. I'm at that point where I can rock clear frames. Like... Mm. I don't think you can. I'd have to what they say the bake the goofy Clearly. out of you <laughs> bake the goofy <laughs> ever heard that alright so that. I laugh every time let me I get it that. Joe let me get it Joe uh, you can in a second alright cool some people recently were surprised because um, I was talking to you two about your homework assignment or homework assignment and they were su- they were shocked to learn that I had given you an assignment I gave you guys a book to read I thought I got introduced I was shocked it. to learn you gave us assignment and when, when, when were you shocked to learn this last night multiple times i there have been lots of small shocks what has been the most shocking the most shocking um the book reading it reading learning from it reading the book on top of like learning i'm not saying this isn't school work because i mean it's an internship that through school but like Mm. is this like two periods of your day yeah that's like so you need two periods worth of homework technically it's more than two periods because our school gets out at 3 40 and we leave at five so so you need at least two periods worth of homework yeah, well, let's get that. Well, I, well, I can assure you this took two periods worth the homework. Time seven last night. Well, if you... I will admit it was like my fault. It's like seven chapters, and you had like six weeks to read it. Yeah, so. it, it was my fault. Okay, I didn't Jack get is like the ultimate procrastinator, and I'm like the ultimate opposite of the procrastinator, which is where like you do a hefty amount of work the first day and then forget about it until the day is due. But we're moving Which is forward. still, uh, being still a, procrastinating. It's still a different type of procrastinating, because what I do is I work hard for like a day, and then I'm like, I'm out. I'm done. And then I forget and then about it's it. Due. Yeah. Working on that UGA application. All right, so Jack, go ahead and you can intro so, your assignment. So we were given this assignment by Joe. About the same time, we were given a 700-page book to read. Well, this is I just glared at Joe, but that doesn't have anything to do with it. But it's called Growing Young, Six Essential Strategies to Help Young People Discover and Love Your Church. By Kara Powell. By Kara Powell, Powell Jake Mulder, and Brad Griffin. Yeah. All churches grow old. Strategic churches grow young. This is Jack and Cannon read the blurb on the front. And no, that's the, what I deduced from the book. That's my takeaway. Okay, away. the title is Growing Young. It's just a two-word title. It's not that six essential strategies thing. Well, I mean, that is the subtitle of the book. Yeah. It's don't, it, don't mansplain honestly, books though, to us, Joe. I think I should be the one asking the questions. I, I think I'm just mansplaining it to Jack, that's all. Look, I even got notes. <laughs> You have notes. Cannon has notes. Are those stats notes, Jack? <laughs> These are not stats. Are those, can you read us your notes? <laughs> yeah, Jack just flashes a notebook. He didn't say what the it notes says, were. Nom- he just like, said, I have notes. <laughs> those notes have nothing to do with this book. You got book. my nomination video list. camera. Jane Eyre by some Bronte. <laughs> some Bronte. I don't know. There's a bunch of Brontes. So there are. It's a bunch of sisters, I think. Yes. Yeah, correct. actually, yeah. Emily and Charlotte and some other one. They all write bad books. Charlotte was the one who wrote Jane Eyre. That says nominations list. At least you know I'm doing So his nominations up. work that has his committee on nominations and lay leadership that has nothing to do with growing young is, well, actually, it does have things to do with growing young. Mm-hmm. That's why I took notes. I know things that were, I already knew some of the stuff that was in this book already. 
Just saying. I'm so proud of you, Jack. Yeah, that's why I pulled it out. So, um, for our listeners, what's the point of this book, Ken? Well, okay, so this is where I flipped to because this is like the core thing in the book. Again, they can't see it. They can't. Oh, yeah, shoot. You, you <laughs> How am I supposed to do a podcast about a book? Okay. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. How are they supposed to yeah, know? They didn't read the book. This is a little bit. They sit in the Bible. And that's our job. Uh, statistically, people aren't reading the Bible either, so let's be honest on that one. Fair enough. Um, fair enough. It's our job to inform our listening audience. And in all fairness, Jack and Cannon knew we were discussing this book today. They did not know that we were going was to gonna be, be on discussing the podcast. it on the podcast. So bear with us. <laughs> apologies in advance if this is a total disaster. But Cannon, go ahead. This is not not going to be a total disaster. Sorry, I was working on. Just stuff. read the subtitle first question. No, I'm not reading the subtitle for a question. Um. This is the page that I had bookmarked because I figured this is what well, you're going to start with. Page, so I may flip to and, it. Uh, page 43. Page 43 for all of our listeners. That if, you, have if you own a copy or like edition. to borrow a copy, you can turn to page 43. Uh, yeah, page 43 of our We'll book. give you it's a second to get there. We'll give you a second to get there. Jack, we're giving you a second. I'm already there. I'm talking about okay, for the listener. Okay, so it's got these six bullet points. Oh, they could like, pause it. <laughs> my bad, stop. my bad. Don't, don't. You, you can pause technology. Don't go in, the, in these microphones, boy. How are you supposed to make good sound effects? But not like that. Back All right. to the actually be able to have the ability to make good sense. Page 43. Keeping on track here. So it's got the six core commitments your church needs. And then the rest of the book kind of like works around this. Right? I'm doing good. Okay. So so, w- so first first off, what does it mean, Jack, to grow young? What do you mean? The Why title? is the book called Grow Young? Yeah. What, what's the... What's, yeah. What does that mean? I mean, so Can like... said there's six core commitments. Core commitments, your church needs to grow young, which is great. Well, but what does that mean? Okay, so a common theme I saw throughout this book, again, what? Why'd you look at me like that? Again, no video. Big language. Okay, we're good. No, go okay, a common theme I saw was it, it talked about youth a lot and like youth's uh, experience, not well, like people's experiences that weren't old, older, not old. So I feel like, like growing in the church through younger people, like expanding the church. Because I texted you about this last night. You did? Or, yeah. yeah, and I was like, because it, it's talking about like a warm community and except like, Creating a warm community. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, well, that's how. That's just how I'm going to explain it. Spoiler alert. Whatever. Make me mad, Joe. I'm not trying to make you mad. You did. I apologize, Jack. I don't. I don't accept it. Wow. No, I didn't want to get into the six core commitments yet. That's why I'm trying to oh, hold you off. Well, before that, I got a couple notes before that. I, I'm sorry. All right. So, a lot of churches in the country and around the world are growing old. Yes. When we were in Birmingham last week on my mission trip, uh, we were staying in a place called the Joe Rush Center, and it's at a former United Methodist Church. Former. Um, and they told us that uh, just a couple years ago, the church stopped meeting. But for several years, guess how many members came to that church? It's going to be like single digits. Yeah, it's going to be, gonna be a lot. Digits. Two. That's wild. Um, and for several years, they maintained two people. Yeah. Um, how do you maintain two people? You have the money to pay a pastor and come and preach for two people. That's ridiculous. But a lot of churches are facing that. It, you look at it and the makeup, the majority of their congregation are are older. Um, so the research in this book is about how to reverse that trend. Instead yeah. of a church growing old, is to grow younger. Young, yeah. To get more f- younger families in. So I apologize for interrupting you, but I, I didn't want to jump ahead to the, All right. well, I'm one, the six book, core things. Yet. The book doesn't... Uh, it's... It doesn't not talk about the importance of like elders either. That's like an important distinction to make, maybe for people that haven't don't have the book in their hands and can't. Like, I think 
yeah. get the vibe of the book. That's not at all what it's about. It's because it's. I wouldn't even say that it's specific to youth ministry. It's about like ministry in general. Yeah. And, and like the governance of the. Okay. Anyway. I just ran into my microphone. Do you want me to read these six now? Yeah. Let Jack read number four. Number four. Thanks. You're welcome. All hey, right. When, you can read one, two, three. The yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six. That's how I split this up. That in half that works. There's what two of you in half. A good plan, Joe. That's great. What good collaboration between okay. us three. One, unlock keychain leadership. Do you want me to read the other stuff or just the... the just italics? just do the big level stuff. Okay. We'll, we'll come in a little uh, more number two, second. empathize with today's young people. Number three, take Jesus' message seriously. Number four, full, full, feel a warm community. Number five, prioritize young people and families everywhere. Number six, be the best neighbors. Joe, can you read us our church's mission statement in relation to number five? Um, our vision statement? Yeah, it's cool. Our vision statement is over the next 10 years, we will see families in our community rescued, restored, and strengthened by raising up hundreds of committed followers of Jesus Christ who will in turn raise up thousands of committed followers of Jesus Christ. Seems to fit pretty well here, Joe. It does. Don't look at me. I'm scooting back from the mic. I was, I was taking a breather here. All right. This um, is way more energetic than the podcast we recorded yesterday. It is way more Side energetic. Note. I had a headache yesterday. I have a headache today as well, but I had a headache yesterday. So there's these six core commitments your church needs to grow young. We're going to take a look at these individually um, for a couple minutes each. So number one is unlock keychain leadership. Um, I was unfamiliar with this term until hearing Kara Powell speak about this book. I had never heard that term. The author. You've seen her perf- like talk live, or are you talking several about times? Him? Yeah, oh, actually, I'm going cool. to a conference in February that she's one of the presenters. Um, That's super it's cool. supposed to be like TED Talks for youth ministry. I'm really excited about that. TED Talks are good, dude. I love TED Talks. They play that on the plane back from Costa Rica. Remember that? I do. So, keychain leadership, Jack. What do you? What can you share about keychain leadership? Let me flip to it. You want the definition? Uh, no, I want you to explain it in your own words. What the heck? Why? I can't read the definition. Basically, it's just like dividing up, like, so like your senior pastor doesn't have like all, this is going to sound dumb, like all the power, like, I mean, kind of like committees, like how you have other committees and other like, uh, like, uh, what do you call them? What are you, an associate pastor and like other like, so like how there's like Kenny Joe or Kenny and Jonathan Joe, those three. And then you have like, I guess you can get what? No, you're good. Oh, okay. And then, and then you have like other committees, like nominations, like we have to nominate people for other committees that like help the church. You know what I mean? And then there's, like, on the youth side of things, there's, like, youth leadership. Oh, that kind of goes kind of well with the mentor thing. Oh, my. Yeah, so that, yeah. So Perhaps like, we're putting some of these principles into action. Oh, my. We should make the leadership team read this book. Uh, we, we could. We could make them listen to this podcast that might be more That's, effective. Well, than, this is, podcast is actually going to be better than the book. Um, so, Keechee, yeah, Keechee leadership yeah. is about sharing leadership, right? Yeah. Um, so, Dividing it up. You know, in the youth ministry side of things, there are some people who as the youth minister may make all the decisions and not rely on anyone else we have the adult youth council and the student leadership team uh, because people want the opportunity to serve so Cannon, why does keychain leadership matter in youth ministry why does keychain leadership um uh well this not not gonna lie i was preparing to answer uh the second question which is empathize with today's young people uh but i feel like authenticity because like 
Jack was just talking about um, how, what we're doing with our leadership. And the whole idea of keychain leadership is like community based. Does that make, like it's not a central leader. It's not like a pastor to a congregation. It's like this idea of everyone is like empowered to do things. Um, so why does that matter to youth ministry? My bad. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's kind of is youth ministry. I feel like like the whole reason we have a youth leadership team is this idea to a certain extent. And part of it is, is jumping ahead a little bit, but it's also making sure that youth have a voice in leadership in general. Yeah, of the of the church. And yeah, and the, yeah. I mean, that's the kind church. of why Jack is on lay leadership this year to help give the youth a voice. I'm on what lay leadership. Nominations committee. Yeah, that's what I know it as. Okay, I was about it's the same same committee, different name. But also to empower other youth in the future to the, to have that same voice and same role. So. Oh, we we already already nominated one for after I graduate too. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, but that's yeah. part part of the reason why we put you on that committee last year was not just for this year, but thinking ahead. Like this brings a youth voice that can continue to empower other youth. Well, the fact that you know Jack and I are working here has brought. Um, I don't know about you, but a lot of people have asked us about how to do it. How can I do it? I want to do this. That's kind of the same idea. Yeah. And part of keychain leadership is letting people lead. Because I could have you guys here and just say, hey, here are these tasks. Complete them. Yes. And completing a task is not leading. So people, including youth and young adults, need the opportunity to lead. All right. You want to jump ahead to number two, which is empathizing with today's young people? This is where I had my bomb Empathize question I wanted to ask today's you. Today's young people. Not the one you texted me last night. No, 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 not this one. Okay. I had a different well, let's let Cam okay. start, and then you can... It's such a good question. Then you can do the mic drop, all right? All right. But don't, don't drop please, this don't mic. Drop this no, mic. this is a nice mic. Yeah, yeah, these are nice. All right. Um, but a metaphorical mic drop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, for real? I can talk? No, I'm going to keep interrupting you. So. Okay. Go ahead. I will go ahead. And, and Jack's... <laughs> What's okay. up, Joe? No. I'm, d- I'm done. <laughs> okay. Um, What's up, well, Joe? Yeah, same. What's up? <laughs> Just playing. I'm playing. Yeah, I'm playing. Yeah. All right. No, um, one of the coolest parts about this book, I thought, like, from the very beginning is, like, the little excerpts where it's, like, uh, someone talking or, like, mm-hmm. a quote about that. And so the whole thing where it talks about, like, you know, I was, you know, being suicidal and, like, instead of an adult, you know flipping out they like gave me a hug and they like seemed worried and there are other things about that about like drug use and stuff like that in the book this these are quotes from young people by the way for those who have not read the book um i feel like that's that's where i i I was thinking about that word authenticity um with kind of the the idea of empathy with young people because it's not pandering to young people it's not having the the newest iPhone or whatever. That's a very like cliche thing to say, but I mean, it, it's not, that's not what it's about. I think it's about, uh, being real and like being there. The last podcast we did yesterday, we talked about the guy, what was that guy's name? Songwriter dude. Oh, Rich Mullins. Yeah. That's what you want. You don't want like, you don't want fakeness in your leadership or anything else. And one of the most beautiful ways that I have seen this play out, um, in our ministry um, was after the election, there were some youth who were um, upset, and it was small groups on Wednesday night, so it was the day after the election. But one youth was really upset, and their small group leader like got off their chair, got down on the floor with them, and like just hugged them. Um, and to me, that's like the ultimate act of empathy, right? Like you could just say like, "Sit up in your chair, we're gonna continue," like not focus on it. 
but to like be with someone in that moment and like get down on the floor and say like i'm going to be here with you um and like those are the things that i think matter more right like and that shows more love and empathy than someone saying like it'll be okay just like a pat on the knee but and that's kind of the image we have of, of god but god didn't just stay in heaven and go it's gonna be okay god came down and said let me let me be here in this mess with you let me walk this dirty road with you and yeah i agree with that um and there's three questions that are, um, it says that young people, whether the teenagers or young adults are looking for, uh, and we empathize with, which are, who am I, where do I fit, and what difference do I make? And that's like the the one, I know, no, I know, I'm not opening the book, I know it. It's like the, the focus is on me, the focus is on something, and the focus is on like the world, right? right is that like the little graph thing? Yeah. This is chapter three of the book, so this is a little bit of a stretch. Uh, from since yeah, me, us, and our world. Yes. What page is that on? 116. The focus is on me. The focus is on us. So who am I is about me. Where yeah, I thought that was us. I thought that was really cool. What difference do I make is about um, our world. It's about identity, belonging, and purpose. So Jack claims he has a mic drop moment for us and question no, on this chapter. No, it's just a question. It's towards you. It's it's geared towards you. Because, okay. I mean, canon, it could be geared towards you if you know how to answer it. So, like, in chapter three, like, right at the bottom of the page, I was talking about that dude named Steve. Steve Jobs. What, what, what page are we on? Uh, 89. Okay. Like, right at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've heard of him, Steve, Steve Jobs. So, if like, if you read, like, that whole next, that and that whole next page, it's talking about, like, uh, Steve Jobs like how like when he was a kid like he went to church a lot and like he had these questions that could like were never answered or that he never got answered about his faith and whatnot and never got like deep discussion about it oh when he's talking about the the starving children and stuff like that uh, that yeah. anecdote yeah 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 I got you and then but then it says like it said imagine okay hold up let me find it I don't I don't, I don't want to misquote it they're kind of like is it posthumously or yeah, posthumously I, I don't know the, I don't know how to say that. I've only read it, but like, it's gonna be a bit of an attack on Steve Jobs here. Well, yeah, no, but like, it was saying like, if Steve Jobs had like found the answers he was looking for, like, if he like, how would it have been today if he would have donated like taught like, because Apple made millions and probably billions of dollars. It didn't really say, but like, if he would have like contributed that just like some of it to like the church, like, how would the church be different today? Like, that's just my question towards it. You know what I mean? So like, if the church had like, way, 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 like one person donated all that money. Not all of it, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, would the church be different? Or, like, you know what I mean? Or, like, would we still... No, and I think we need to give context to the whole story. Um, so let's read it. The whole so the thing. story is... Steve Jobs is asking his pastor, like, if I raise a finger, will God know what finger I'm going to raise At before? 13. Yeah. At 13 years old. And the pastor says, of course, God knows everything. Um, and he... Steve Jobs is really upset about um, poverty and starvation in Africa. So he pulled out Life magazine and had two pictures, a picture of two kids, um, two starving children. He said, does God know about this and what's going to happen? And the pastor's response was, Steve, I know you don't understand, but yes, God knows about that. And it became that moment that, um, and actually, I mean, that's from his biography. That, like he picked a guy to write his biography and that story. So Steve's told that story. Um, and you know, he has some issues of doesn't really quite match with our Methodist theology. Um, 
in terms of that everything there but you know <laughs> Jackie worked at restoration around the summer mm-hmm. uh, doing the feeding program and if you came to me and said hey does God know what's going on with these kids that don't get food and just got like just God really care and I said yeah God knows and that ended the conversation yeah but I'd like want more of an answer right like yeah and that's what his church gave him. That's what his pastor gave him. Um, so this whole idea of empathizing is to sit down and go, yeah, God knows and God's heart's broken. And God has called us as the church to to go and do something about it. Um, you know, we might not be able to get on a plane and and go to, I don't know what country it is, it doesn't say. Um, might not be able to go and, and do it, but hey, let's. What what can we do to help? You know, what what can we do to take a part in God's story and God's mission? And I think that's. I hope that's a better answer. Yeah. Than just saying, yeah, God is aware. Well, it doesn't. I was just reading over it. He asked him for like breakfast, or he said the solution to that would have been like, that's a big question. Why don't we go? me and your dad and I go, you know, talk about it over breakfast, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about if you and I and your dad meet for breakfast so we can talk about it? So that idea of like, he's not, they're also not saying the answer is to give him an answer of his question. Like, boom. Right. And I think it comes back to this authenticity, right? Like teenagers want answers. And sometimes the answer might be, I don't know. And if I had to say that, if that's a really good question. I need some time to look into that and then let's let's go meet for coffee and, and talk about it. Um, yeah, and th- there's a lot of people in the world who would rather give that kind of answer, kind of that dis- dismissive, yep, and move on. Um, and obviously that's not, that's not what's needed. That was a pretty good question, wasn't it? It was a good question. Um, and I hope that I don't give those kind of answers and I hope that um, y'all in terms of our listeners and don't let me give those kind of answers too. Um, I'd be disappointed if you let me get away with something like that. All right. Number three, to take Jesus' message seriously. Canon, let's share on that one. Three, take Jesus, instead of asserting, formulate gospel claims, welcome young people in a Jesus-centered way of life. Boom, done. Roasted. I'm kidding. Did you just read that out of the book? I did just read that out of the book. It says it right under three, taking Jesus' message seriously. Um, I'm going to go to taking Jesus' message seriously, actually. Uh, ha, 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 ha. Um, just like what it talks about, that's what we're sharing in this chapter. All well, right. the idea Joe said at the beginning of this podcast was to – what someone listening to the podcast kind of knows what the book is about now. Oh, well, hopefully know. they have some idea what the book is hopefully about. They have some again. idea. It's about Jesus. So, um – I don't even, it seems kind of self-explanatory, but it also talks, doesn't it talk about like toxic faith and stuff like that in here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm not even wrong. Um, so moralistic deism is in here as well. It is. Didn't we talk moralistic about therapeutic we talk, deism? But we talked about moralistic deism another time, but it's I also in this book. Ta- that's what I was going to talk about. MTD. MTD. Well, um, that's the idea. That's, what, that's, th- what that's the whole millennial thing that is yeah. always leveled at people our age. Is I'm a good person. 
Jesus exists. Done. Yeah. And and we're going to talk more about that in youth group in November. Yeah, November. So November. After the Be Awesome series. After our Be Awesome series. Um But yeah, so I talked about that, you know, we need to take seriously what what Jesus did and what Jesus said. And not just put it not just talk about it cuz a lot of times we get caught up in talking about things, but mm-hmm. actually doing it. You know, that if Jesus wants us to be respectful, we're going to be respectful and we're going to call out people who are disrespectful. If Jesus wants us to go and serve, we're going to go and serve. If Jesus wants us to to pray, we're going to pray and call people out when they're not and say, like, hey, that's an important yeah, part important. of your life. You know, it's kind of like Gandhi. 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 When he said, and this is the paraphrase, I don't know the drug quote, but um, I don't like your Christians. I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. the, the Leonard Cohen quote, like, anybody who, because he was, like, a Jewish, you know, um, his whole life, and then for a while he lived on, like, a mountain in California as a Buddhist monk, but, you know, any anyone uh, of any intelligence who d- denies the, the awesomeness of Jesus Christ, um, you know, is blind. And that's coming from somebody with religious backgrounds from atheism to mm-hmm. Judaism to Buddhism. So I think, you know, a lot of times... You know, we, we look to like a Bill Gates or someone who's who's a good person who does a lot of good work. But he's an Indian atheist or like something. Uh, I believe he's an agnostic. Yeah. Um, I'm not 100% on that, but. Which is different than atheist. It's just it's like, like agnostic is like, I don't it care. Is. It's like open to the idea, but not like. Okay. Yeah. My bad. Sorry. But I'm not, I'm not 100%, so I don't want to. Yeah, I know. We don't want Bill Gates coming for us. I don't want to put that out in the interwebs that, that I know that um but, you know, like, I've never heard Bill Gates proclaim to be a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. Yes. But people go, well, he's a really good, and, you know, we should we should be like Bill Gates. Yeah. Well, well, no, no, you shouldn't. You know, and I've heard people go, hey, I wish I was more like this person in our church. And be like, no, no, you shouldn't. The only person we should try and be like. Is Jesus. Is Jesus. Um, Christ. So, but, but if we take Jesus' message seriously. So well, like the book. You, you lit- did the mic job question. So the, the book so Jack- literally. Well, hold up. The book literally says, "Take Jesus' message seriously." Means churches pay attention to the life and words of Jesus Christ. That basically is like what you just said. Yeah. Quite and now, if ended. if you take something seriously, mm-hmm. if you take you you play soccer, Jack. Do I? Yeah. I do. Uh, you play soccer, Jack, and you, you take it pretty seriously. I mean, yeah, I get competitive. No, I mean, but you but you take soccer seriously oh, yeah, just in yeah. general. Like you, you have a lot of respect for mm-hmm. for the, the beautiful sport. game, um, my man, Joe. The beautiful game. But how does that? What does that? How does that impact you that you take it seriously? I mean, I've just always done it. So like, you you do something enough, you have respect for it, you know, or not. You don't have to do it, but like you have, like you know, you got to have respect for it. Like it's kind of what we talked about last night. Not really, but kind of in small well, groups. Why is it called the beautiful game, Jake? Because it's so fun to play and watch. It's like there's no – like it's just – there's no plays. Like it's just what happens, happens. Like you know what I mean? I do, and that's what I want you to to get at. Did, did I get at what you wanted? You did. The, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it, it's, just, it's just what happens, it's right? Fl- it's fluid. It's, it's, not, it's not set. Set pieces, but that's it. And that is how – Christianity. Christianity. Oh. If we take Jesus' message seriously, 
it's not a it's not a rule book. Like there's some people that think, well, I need to serve and do this, this, and this. No, it becomes it's just a fluid, natural thing that just that just happens. You know, because if I mean, if you look at a day in the life of Jesus, he may be talking, and all of a sudden, someone cuts a hole in the roof and brings a guy down and says, "Hey, this guy needs healed." Jesus, is like, all right. You know, so he heals yeah, him. Yeah, like we then, have a routine to our day. Jesus did not have a routine. He he probably got stuff they wasn't expecting, like all the time. You know. You know, so we know Jesus healed. We know he um, helped the poor. We know he preached. We know he spent time with God. Like when life got too stressful, he left. He left everyone and he went up to a mountain and he prayed. And he said, "My my faith, my spiritual connection is more important right now than the crowd because I can't help the crowd if I don't keep this connection going with God." It just, it just happened. It was fluid. You, you couldn't have set that up any better, Jack. So as a church, if we take Jesus' message seriously, like, you know, I have friends who are, who've, who've been druid and agnostic and atheist, and they're like, you know, if people live their, if Christians really lived the words and actions of Christ, it'd be a really awesome world. Um, so if we really take it seriously, it becomes just part of who we are and we do it and we don't have to think about it. And someone critiqued me when I started here and they're like, we're sick of hearing these same things over and over again. We need to go deeper. And my response was until you get the basics, we can't go deeper. Like until the, the basic parts of Christianity just become who you are and you were doing this stuff. And this deeper level stuff doesn't matter yet. Right, like yeah, yes. You can't. It's like in medicine, you can't just treat the symptoms. Like you have to figure out what is actually wrong and and take care of that first. And if you just treat the symptoms, the infection and the problem just continues to grow inside you. Um, and if we take Jesus' message seriously, we, we gotta live it out. And then it just happens. Cool. All right. Number four, Jack. Oh, yeah. Feeling a warm community. So, like, what, what kind of question are you going to ask me, or do you want me to... Oh, like, you need to tell our audience what tell it us means about. to feel a warm community. All right. Let me pull up what I asked you last night. I'm a, uh, so, last night... Is this what you asked him about? Yeah. Last night, I th- it was uh, pretty, pretty late. Again, my fault for not reading the book until last night, but I got it done. So, I text Joe at... Oh, that wasn't late. 9.30. I was like, I thought it was like 9.30. 9.36. And okay, so I was like, so with the book when it's talking about fu- fueling a community, and I was and I was talking about like looking at it from a youth perspective. What else? What else? Say, like, is that like how we can like plan out what we do, or like like get in like mix with the congregation and stuff like that? And then basically your response was, oh, I almost sent you a message that was drawn. <laughs> Uh, it's break. You said it's breaking down the barriers between different ministries, making sure that every person feels a part and has a place to belong. And so it's. So then I said it's kind of like being the hands and feet of Christ, right? Like the body of Christ. And like, I mean, I, that's pretty good interpretation, right? Wouldn't you say? Yes. Why are you smiling like that? It, it's answering that. It's actually going back to um, the questions from empathizing with today's young people. Um, and that question of where do I fit? Right. Um, so if you notice, and I don't know. I, so 
chapter two, number two, is empathize with today's young people, and it creates three questions. What page is that on? 122. Who am I? Where do I fit? And what difference do I make? If we take Jesus' message seriously, and that becomes naturally a part of our life, that answers the question of who am I? Right? Yeah. Um, if we feel a warm community and create an environment that people belong to, not just... Yeah, and everybody will feel welcome as well. Then we're answering the man. question of where do I fit? Um, and then we're about to answer in a moment um, or two, what difference do I make? Um, so these kind of all... The model in the book, it's a circle that because they all kind of oh, feed. Well, yeah. It's you, on like every other page. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but like it all feeds together like... You know, chapter two or chapter three sets up these questions and then, well, now here's the answers to these questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, everybody wants a place to belong. No one wants to go to a place where they don't fit in. Um, no one wants to come to a youth ministry where they don't fit in, where they don't feel welcome, where no one says hello. Um, and not even if... Sorry. Bless you, Jake. You know the person that walks in the door might be completely different than you and you might know, Hey, this person's, um, might fit in better with another person. I know who's here tonight at youth group, but you can still be the person that says hello and kind of helps make that (coughs) helps make that connection. Um, and that's still creating that warm inviting community. And, you know, the research also shows that for teenagers to maintain their, that will maintain their faith post high school, post youth group, it's those that are in a, engaged and integrated in the whole life of the church. Those who are just a part of the youth group, um, when youth group's taken away, a lot of times they will walk away from their faith too, because the thing that held it together is gone. Um, so they're, it, so it can't just be, I'm part of the children's ministry or the youth ministry, but yeah, I go to youth group, but I'm also helping out in worship on Sunday morning, and I have an adult uh, mentor, discipler. Um, I'm on a committee for the greater church. Um, I go to Wednesday night supper, and I don't sit at a table of teenagers. I go and sit with the older adults at another table, um, but finding a way to be welcomed into a wider community. So truly, every person has a place, but the connections are made between them, too. Boom. Again, things we're trying to implement in our youth ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool because, like, the examples used in the book are, like, you know, like, older people in the church inviting younger people to eat. Where did we have a bunch of homemade ice cream? With the Quantania class. Yeah. With one of our... Boom. That's so good. The lemon ice cream. The pizza ice cream. Don't even talk about that. There's a lot of different ice cream. There was a bunch of different ice creams I wouldn't have expected to have. There were. They were good. No, but I just that's an example, which is yeah. something we're, I mean, we're always growing towards. Yeah, one of my favorite moments last year was at the family Christmas Eve service. Uh, the youth choir led musically, but we, they were the choir, but we had the 1111 band as the instrumental, so it wasn't just youth, we had adults there. Um, and if you looked out in the congregation, there were little kids, there were older adults. I mean, like... And how it should work? Um, you, you had, like, everybody, everybody. in one space. Um, and to me, that's just like one of those beautiful moments where like... When the, the candle gets lit. This is the church. Like the candle and you pass. Yeah, I know what you're Like so this is the church. Like this is what the church is supposed to look like. It's what yeah. the church is supposed to be. Um, all right. Number five. Number five. Brief pause. Just... Uh, For we're, a station we're, identification. 
we're approaching the 50-minute mark. Just letting you know. Okay. Number five, canning. Number five. Number five is... Prioritize. Prioritize young people and families everywhere. And, uh, like, the key part to this, I feel like, is intentional. Is not That's not a word. I just made a word. It's being intentional about this. That's what this section talks about. Right? It right. does. Right. Killing it. Joe did not think that either of us read this book. I do think you guys read it. He I'm still not. doesn't think we read the book. No, but, yeah, so it talks about... And there's a couple... Ba- oh, oh, I just... This is where I bookmark. But it's just, like, the brief, like, blurb in the middle of the chapter. and says... Uh, the prioritization of young people everywhere represents our tangible institutional commitment to allocate resources and attention not only for specific youth or young adult programs or programming, but also across the life of the congregation. Which And then again, it has a little circle logo that they use all the time, which is kind of the, the way it flows. But so uh, it also talks about a lot of different types of, of ways that that works. Like it talks about like sexual orientations for a little bit i'm not i don't we're not going to get into that in the podcast i imagine but just that idea of like where young people are you intentionally meet them there and yeah and this is something uh, i was talking about you know ditch youth sunday and involve young people every week instead yeah um and things like that and you know it's been great we see um young people have been in the choir on sunday mornings we got uh, younger people helping with uh, instruments and things like that. Uh, youth choir singing in a couple weeks. Um, and one of the one of the goals that I've set for the next year is to continue to work and find ways for the youth to be integrated into the whole life of the church. Through the mentorship. Um, not just that, but uh, okay. things like, you know, it was it was brought up, you know, like we need to get youth um, being lay readers and stuff during Sunday morning worship. Like, um, I still think Youth Sunday is great, um, but it, can't just be one Sunday a year where yeah, you pray the youth out and go, look, it's our teenagers. Yeah. Um, well, that the separation is not a good thing, which is a whole lot more than just this chapter in the book. Like the community yeah. chapter is about that. All this is about that. Um, but, and it goes, it, like you said, it goes along great with our new, our new vision statement. Uh, and it talks about, you know, you need to thank the people who are making sacrifices. Um, people that are making changes to, to help bring that about. And we've seen that. Yeah. You know, we've had two Sunday school classes um, change rooms. So we grade children's worship space. We had the church commit an entire floor of this building that we're in right now to youth, to the youth and teenagers. And we are eternally grateful, eternally grateful for that, uh, uh, by the way. But I don't know how many teenagers have gone to people who help make that decision and say, like, thank you for that. Um, you know, and I think it's important. Um, all the time. So, well, another thing. I mean, kind of touched on it, but like the old, like the older people, they're not always going to be here, you know. So, like, I feel like emphasize or like prioritizing, emphasizing the young people is also a bigger, bigger deal because, like, that's like that's like going to be the next leaders. Like, you know what I mean? It is. Yeah. At the same time, it's kind of it's know, a cycle. part of part of my role right now with you two some work-based learning students is to impart knowledge to you um, to help people not make mistakes I may have made um, and to learn things. And we need to set up relationships and connections because people who are older than us have really great knowledge and we need to seek that out. Not just because we're going to be the next leaders or we are the next leaders, but um, and not because 
like you said, they're not going to be here forever. Um, well, not in a bad way, no. No, but I'm saying, but there's yeah. also that realization of we need to seek that out. Yeah, you know what's crazy? Somebody like our age will one day be president. Like, yeah, no, like that. No, that's like a mind. Like, imagine the teenagers today become one of them being a president. Like, you know, eventually we will be able to pull up a video of our president's birth because it was on Snapchat or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's ridiculous. Anyway, my bad. Um, you know, last year during confirmation, we had we had one of the. Um, older adult, adult members of the church come in, talk about the history of our church, you know, and it was one of the coolest things because all kinds of stuff that I didn't know. And, and the seventh graders were like, this is really cool. And they brought like pictures and like the original Bible that the church had. Um, is that all over there? It, there's a vault, right? That Yeah. And I mean, like it was, it was awesome. Like just to be like, this was like the Bible that we started off of. We start, you know, like this is, there's something like very powerful about that. Yeah, and like because the church was we were founded what eighteen seventy five somewhere around there. Yeah, it's on the cornerstone over there. Yeah, but a lot of times we just take that for granted, and we don't, and and young people in particular don't seek that out. But it's one of those we need to. Yeah, because there's like I said, that's really powerful. Yeah. All right, Joe, tell us about number six. Be the best neighbors. Um, I preached a whole sermon on this a couple weeks ago, so I'm going to let Jack tell us about number six. Well, see if he was listening to what I preached on. I wasn't here. I had a game. I really I really did have a game. when, And I need to get a CD because normally I like when you preach. No, I'm being Normally free. he likes when I preach. Not always. Just. <laughs> I mean, it's like 50-50. Half the time I hate it. You got um, a 75.5 shot of me liking, me liking what you say. Anyway, go ahead, Jack. Wow. Okay, so on the chapter highlights, it says churches that grow young – uh, strive to be their best neighbors, both locally and globally. So I'm going to stop there. All right, so, yeah, basically, like, going off that, as part of the youth leadership team, I'd like, I'd like to implement more monthly missions and just go out and do more outreach around the community because, like, working at Restoration Rome, there's always stuff to do there and stuff like that. So I feel like if we did that, that's, like, or, like, the locally part, that's, like, better serving the community, and I feel like that's what it's about. And, like, globally, I guess Costa Rica mission trip, I mean, but that's, not, that's really the only well, and oh well, and we're raising money for the um, cow for Heifer International. For Heifer. Yeah, and, you know the the relief buckets that we did in the relief buckets. I mean, they will wherever. most likely go to Houston or Florida or South Georgia. But what about Puerto Rico? Do they do that? Yeah, they'll they'll probably send. Um, excuse me. Um, but I mean that can be as we talked about that could be an ongoing mission that, and you don't know where they're going to go because they might end up. Mm-hmm. You know, if Rome had a major flood again, they could end up here, but they could also end up in India. Like you just, you never know where it's going. And you're being a good neighbor to whoever receives that. So when you were talking about doing a mission project at UMCOR in uh, Alabama, and I was like, I mean, I don't think that's a half bad idea. That'd be uh, cool to see and fun to do. And yeah. it's a good mission. It's a good mission project to do. Cool. So there are six ways. Um, this research study found the churches grow young. Which one do you guys think we do best here at Trinity? I feel like we do best. What do you think, Ken? I don't want to copy your answer, but I think I know what I'm okay, going to Well, hmm, I'm, I also just like jumped into the microphone from sitting back, so that might be a little bit of a, a weird proximity effect there. Um, Honestly, I, I can don't know. see us through all of them, though. 
I feel like you know our I mean? church is good about not doing the whole. It talk, what is it? It talks about the golden rule gospel. Yes. Uh, right when it's, it talks about moralistic deism in that mm-hmm. chapter yeah. as well. So I feel like we do a good job of not doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, because uh, it and it goes a lot of this is talking about you know the survey that they do and the test or not testing, but the research that they do doesn't just focus on United Methodist churches. It focuses on non-denominational non-denominational churches and you know african methodist episcopal churches and all these other things uh but and maybe it's a methodist thing i don't know i haven't really visited any other methodist churches i've gone to trinity my whole life but uh that's not a thing here or at least in my experience with any leadership or anything like that ever we've never fallen into that uh you know watering down the gospel i feel like so that that's number three which is taking jesus message seriously cool jake uh, I'm I'm trying to decide between feeling a warm commu- community and prior- prioritizing young people, people and families everywhere. I'm gonna go with the full. F- God, man, I cannot say feeling f- warm community. Yeah, we, all of us are like tripping over our tongues now. I, I just know, did it. Feeling a warm community because I always I feel like when people like especially in the youth program, like when we have guests, I feel like they always feel welcomed. So I feel like we do the best job at that, and especially like. Over at, in like the main church, like the big service with every the whole congregation, I feel like we do a, like nah, a, yeah an excellent job of like when we have guests of like making everybody feel welcome. If they have kids that some of the youth are interacting. There's always those. I mean, the greeters at the door help, but everybody has those. But there's there, there's certain people at Trinity that are like the go-to people when they when we have new people, newer people that would possibly join the church that are always like there for support. Cool. Yeah, I love it when they're summarizing to say you know instead of focusing on cold worship or programs aim for warm peer and intergenerational friendships yeah and you know i get asked all the time well, when are you gonna become a real pastor you know when are you gonna you do You're get, asked, reverend, you do get asked that a lot actually um you, he signs joe signs all our papers reverend, reverend joe palmer yeah. so if you've ever asked joe that get out of town uh, i am a reverend i know that's what i'm um, saying so if people are asking to be a real pastor get out of town but but there's there is this mindset in our society that like, you know, you can only be in youth ministry for so long. Teenagers only will listen to you if if you're the cool young hip guy. And that's so not true. Like one of the biggest churches in the conference, uh, you know, their youth directors, well, like mid mid to late fifties, um, and it's been there a long time. And the the teenagers love that guy because he creates the warm, inviting. Environment. environment you know and he's like i'm gonna take you seriously i'm gonna empathize but you know it, it, it's everything that this book's talking about and it's like you don't have it's like you have an expiration date of youth ministry your expiration yeah, date is when you die don't expire you know we have i've been to youth conferences and see you know youth leaders in their 70s and leading huge youth groups because that's pretty old though I'm not saying there's anything wrong it is with old that. but like there's a mindset that the teenagers only care about what's young and hip and like if you're not just out of college yeah, that um, is not. It's not gonna be cool. It's not gonna be fun. So, yeah, I think I think that's cool. So, what do you guys think about reading a church book? Not just like a book about Jesus, but a book about like have you ever read church the, leadership? Have you ever read the book Blink by yeah, Malcolm Gladwell? I, I, no, I have it. I have not read it. This book reminded me all it, a lot. Yeah, of, it's kind of like Blink, Blink. How it like how it has like. It opens oh, each chapter opens with an anecdote. Yeah, an that anecdote, relates to the thing say, yeah. which they back up with evidence evidence and facts from their study which i'm not trying to make this sound uh like monotonous or anything like it was good i liked it i'm i'm i would rather read nonfiction that has a purpose in my life 
than fiction any day, every day. Cool. Check. And I like that I was going to say the anecdote thing, but, you know, that's cool. I like how it had the anecdotes at the beginning. But, you know, when you read a book in a night, I don't always get the most out of it. So if, if, we get, if we're allowed to keep these book, books, I might reread over fall break, chapter at a time, and take notes and study. Those are your books because I'll be on hydrocodone, so I will not be doing that. Those are your books because, I mean, I didn't give you these books just to read. Like, I didn't give them to you for no point. Like, just to do busy work. I gave it to you because this is one of the books that I've given to a bunch of the staff members, um, lay leaders here at the church. Um, because it's something that I'm trying to make sure, as I think about youth and family ministry, because I think this is like one of the golden books. Like, this has got the information. Yeah, it was a pretty good book. Um, so, no, they're your copies, but now the idea is we have to take this stuff and actually apply it. Yeah. yeah. A, a nonfiction business book, whether it's about church or any kind of business leadership, it only is effective if you actually use it, try and take something out and apply it. Um, so that's that's your next challenge to figure out how do we how do we take this stuff and apply it into our ministry. Can do, hopefully. All right. <laughs> Well, we hope everyone's been having a good fall break. Uh, I'm sure I'm have had a great time at Disney World. You're uh-huh. sure you have had? That's a confusing sentence that you just said. Well, I was like trying to be like, should I talk in the present tense, past tense, future tense? I didn't know what tense to talk in. Um, but I'm sure my trip to Disney is going to be awesome. I'm sure Jack's going to have a great time at the lake. I'm only there for like a couple of days. It's, it's not like the I'm sure Cannon's going to be tripped down. I'm sure your Hydra. surgery went well. What if I die? You're going to seem so flippant if I you're die. You're right. I should not do future prediction. Um, you shouldn't. Hopefully, if I die, I can't play at Starbucks on the fifth. So I'll let's take not over. talk about it because I, I, I know that's a and sad I'm pretty thought. sure I'm gonna get yeah. So well, hopefully I won't. We 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 prayed for you during your surgery. Joe's face says that they didn't, but it's the future. So who knows? No, I will. I I will be praying for you in your surgery. That I'll be crying. I'll be crying. I'll be okay actually. If anybody wants to come visit me, hit me up. I'll send you my address. We'll hang out. This bring me some bring what? me some some beef ramen and leave hey, not top com- ramen. This is gonna be coming out way later after your Dude, your feet smell so bad. Get those things away from me. He's not doing it. It's nope, been bugging he, me for like the past. He's just getting minutes. closer to your nose, actually. It's kinda they smell so bad. Weird. They smell awful. All right, I texted so, my mom about seeing your stuff. I apologize. All right. So all right, we will catch devolving. you all later. Um it's Joe signing off. Happy trails. Oh.